going to start with a nice word on Parshas Vayakov, a word from the Madana Melech. It says on the Pusik this week, Vamalucha Ois Dayan Vahoyser. The Pusik is describing that the Malech Samishkan and the Duva Samishkan, what Kaisro brought and did for the Binyan Samishkan, was Dayan Vahoyser. It was enough, and it was actually more than enough. So he brings the, the question that a lot, a lot asked how, what, how could it be Dayan Vahoyser? Dayan sounds like it was enough. Hoyser means it was more than enough. That's a contradiction. There's also a thing as something being Dayan and Hoyser at the same time. So he explains that interestingly, the Mishkan. Had a, the Mishkan and Besamikdash, you know, um, and the Mishkan was the the basis of the Besamikdash later on. And the Ustin Mikdash, Chanti Besoycham, had a very interesting component, and that was the Baderech Nes. There was more place than was necessary. Right? We know that in the Besamikdash there was the element of Umdim Tzfifim in Mishtachim Revuchim. People were standing very close together in the Besamikdash, and when they had to bow down, which takes more place, all of a sudden they were able to bow. There was a lot of place. Even though they were standing all close together, very crowded. The, it opened up. There was more. There was more place than that, and we also find in general by Oyler Egelzan, Ma'odem le'Umar Tzali Amukum, Ma'odem Tzali Amukum. Nobody ever said that they were claustrophobic and there was no place in Yishlaim for all the Oyler Egel. Even if you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that were coming to, to Yishlaim at the same time, there was always enough place for everyone. So the the Migdash and the place of Ashur Hashchina, who it had that, always had that element of being able to expand and 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 encompass more than it really was able to fit. He said this was a zgila of the Besmikdash, and this was something that Kalis will put in with Nidvas Libam into the Mishkan. The Mishkan was, the Malucha of the Mishkan was Dayim, it was enough, what was necessary, and Vahoyser, there was the added extra element that was able to, to en- en- encompass more and hold more than, than it really was able to fit when, when necessary. Now, to be able to apply this to our lives, right, when we talk about Mikdash, we always know there's a, there's a Mikdash Ma'at, right? Uh, a Yiddish home is a Mikdash Ma'at. We each have our own little Mikdash Ma'at. That's a place of Ashur Hashchina. And so often, you could, I, I, I hear it sometimes even just from people getting married. You hear it from people who just barely have a baby or two babies. Very many times in a person's life, they feel like, okay, I already, I gave it all God. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have any more place. I'm, I'm, I'm used up. There's only so much energy I have, right? I, I, how can I make more? I'm so busy. I heard this lately from an older single Bochur, he was working already and he was busy with his life and his business and whatever. Like, how do I get married? How do I make, make room for another person in my life? I can barely handle my own life. And you hear from people who are married and have children. Where, where am I going to put them? What am I going to do with them? You know, marriage is getting along. My wife is taking up so much energy. Get along with, with, you know, have more place for more kids. And I think that it's always important to remember that the Shlosh shit from Buddha, the Ibis is also a shit in every Yiddish Shishtim. And so often there's the Dayan Vahoyseh. There's a Meluch Hoyser Dayim, when it's enough, there's, you know, there's the element of enough, and then there's Hoyser, where we need to expand. And we would not be able to expand if not for the, for the you know, special Koyach that, that, that Migdash has. But because every Yiddish home is a Migdash, there's always more room. As the saying goes, oh, when, when, there's, when there's room in the heart, there's room in the, in the car, there's room in the house, all you need is to have some room over here. But it's, it's Hashem putting in that Ruchni Zdege Koyach that helps us expand our own lives and our homes and everything to, to be able to accomplish more and do more and raise a family, and have a place for more people in Irish itself. Right? We know a tinnik is buva kika biyude, for example. Right? People, a person has a job, and he has an income, and I can barely cover my life. I have, I have three kids, and, and, and I'm already uh, used up. I don't have any more money. And Chazal tells us, that, you know, you have another child born, kika biyude. He brings along another shayfa panusa. How does it work? I don't know. But that's, that's what happens. They keep on expanding. That's a ruchni, is the element. 
that we can understand. So with that, I'll read a, a, a letter, a question, and discuss a topic that has to do with this. Okay, there I grew on. I really listened to your share about having children. Number 128720. Okay, for anyone who's interested in looking back and turning any time, that's 128720. I liked your marshal about struggling for Panusa, and I think the problem in today's days is that it's not respected. At least that's what I feel. People who have a lot of money are respected. People who have a lot of children are Nebuchs and Yanchi and Frum. Normal people have the perfect amount at the right time, three years apart, that's normal. Um, but anything other than that is Yanchi and Frum. Why did it become crazy to be overwhelmed with children? People are much more ready to be stressed with shopping and other stuff. I feel like I need to make a, I feel like I need to make a complete U-turn in my brain and start looking at busy mothers as heroes. I love the part where you said that it's some serious nefesh. Do you think you can give another share on why we have children, the chashivas of every child, the grayskite of the neshoma? I know you mentioned prioritizing, but I want to know why I should choose this as my priority and how to be proud even though the entire world has changed their perspective. And also, this whole part that in the times of the Gemurah nobody had another child before two years and nine months, if Hashem changed it, it means that we have more koyach to raise more children. Does it mean that we have more koyach to raise more children and have them closer apart? Even though I asked Das Torah, I still have doubts. I don't understand the whole thing. Is it a mistake, Chazvashulim, that we have our children closer apart so we are allowed to do things to be like the olden times? Or, not really, Hashem doesn't give challenges that we can't handle, so if He changed the system then we have, and we have children closer apart, it means that we could handle it. Please let me know, thanks. Okay, I don't know if I'm going to address every detail over here, but let's um, discuss this just a little bit more. Right, repeat topics are great, and I think most topics that we discuss these days have been addressed at least once or twice in the past. I already gave a few hundred shirim, um, so it's very hard to always be talking about something original. So yeah, whoever wants to listen to the old shir, I, I believe that some of what I'm going to say now may be overlapping, and some of it might be kedai to hear what we said then. Um, but this is a sensitive topic. It's a sensitive topic. People get very passionate about their positions and their own situations and their own opinions and their own justifications and I'll, I'll tell you I, when I talk about a, a, a topic like this my intention is not necessarily um, to change people's mindsets and to make people do things differently it's more about giving chizik to those who want to hear something about it and, and, and looking to see things in what I feel and what they feel really is what we say the Torah they go away in the right way you know people who have different ideas often will have a lot of reason to you know, to justify their own opinions and a lot of things to base it on, and, and that's fine. I don't see this as a debate in any way. Whoever's listening to me, you know, it's your choice if, if you're interested in anything I have to say at all. Um, the first thing that you mention over here is that it's not respected, right? People have a lot of money are respected, and people like to be stressed with shopping and other stuff. Um, but when it comes to having a lot of children, we don't, we don't respect somebody, and we don't consider somebody a hero for having a lot of children, raising a large family. And I spoke about this last time in the year as well, if I'm not mistaken. But it's interesting to, to just understand when whenever you talk about dayas um, b'nai opinions, what people value, what people respect, what people are machshiv, right? It's all up to everyone to decide whatever they want. In other words, what you respect is up to you. The word respected, the word value, the word important is, is up for grabs. Topics and ideas only have the importance that people attribute to them. If everyone decides something is good, it's good. If everyone decides something is no good, it's no good anymore. How did it become no good? Because people decided. That's how Hashem made this world. Hashem made this world that it's up to the people to decide what's important and what's not. 
There was a time that it was important to look heavy and to be overweight. There was a time, there's a time that it's important to look thin and, and be underweight. And it's all up to people to decide that. So whenever we're talking about these things, you know, value, beauty, importance, and things like that, it's, it's up to everyone to decide. It's up for you to decide as well. It's not only up for you to, de- to decide what you deem important, it's also up to you to decide whose opinion you want to consider important. Is it a Torah opinion? Is it a Das Torah opinion? Is it my opinion? Is it your opinion? Very often we get impressed and overtaken uh, by, and influenced by opinions of people and that is also only because we decided to attribute importance to their opinion. Right? There are people that we know that have other values and other things that are important to them, but we decided that, that what they think is not important to me, so I'm not, I'm not intimidated by that. In other words, part of the reason why you, you're feeling intimidated by people's opinions is because you decided that they're important people, and their opinions are important opinions, and they are, they are important people to impress, and once you're dealing with that, it becomes very uh, difficult you know, to, to, to challenge that, that trend and that mindset because you decided that's important. I just wanted to you know, give you that little um, thing about understanding that it's up to you to decide what's important. It's up to you to decide who's, who's important. And whenever you're looking at something like this, it's not a question. And, and that's essentially what Das Torah is about. When we, to, when we talk about Das Torah, right? I'm not just talking about going to ask Das Torah. You know, we use the word Das Torah about getting, you know, hearing an opinion. What does Das Torah mean? There's Das Torah, there's Das Bola Bias, there's, there's a culture, there's a world. There's definitely a lot of different opinions out there. What's important to a lot of people, what's, impor- what's important to a lot of the world, is officially um, um, not important to us as Eden. And it's up to us to decide, are we going to be committed to what the Torah says is important, and look into the Torah to see what the Torah says is important, or are we going to do what's, what's popular, or are we going to do what people uh, think, and we're going to do what people respect, and we're going to look to get the respect that people give for whatever they, they respect. So that's, that's something important to remember. And yeah, things change over time, and it's clear that maybe... Years ago, people did have more respect for certain things that were more Torahic, and over time, we get more influenced. We're in Gulas for a long time. We're in America for a long time. We're, we're you know, we're between Goyim, a lot of secular culture, a lot of secular ideas. Slowly, things um, penetrate, and a lot of influence is, is you know, it takes us over with that. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I don't want to go into detail, but it's not a secret that there are people. Let's just stay general. There are people whose opinions are valued and respected for a long time, and people look up to them, and then one bright day you hear that that person was not a good person, you thought he was a good person, people now say he's not a good person, and all of a sudden his opinion means nothing. In retrospect, the same person who um, last year said something, and everyone was like, wow, did you hear what he said? And now you repeat it, and everyone's like, yeah, but his opinion doesn't count. Now, was it the opinion, or was it the person? Or, for example, you have somebody who is very rich, very wealthy, rich person who is respected, like you say. The rich person said this and this. And what you heard? You heard what that guy said? Two years later, he lost his money, and he got into an accident, and he lost his family, or he got divorced, or whatever it is, whatever scandal he was in, he went to jail, whatever it is, and now someone says, you heard what that person said? Who's that? So it's not the opinion, it's the person, and it's who you choose to respect. And this is what this is what um, um, Das Torah is about. This is about knowing you know, who to look to for guidance and who to look to for truth and, and, and know, how to, you know how, to, how, to, how to take things the right way. Now in general, just understand the difference between respecting somebody with money or respecting money and respecting uh, materialism versus respecting things that are more idealistic and more true and more uh, spiritual. 
Yeah, people who have a lot of money, the way the Ibish have set up the world is that they have a lot of power. People that have a lot of money, um, it's 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 only it's imaginary power, obviously. Everything's in Ibish's hands anyway, but but it looks like they're powerful because with their money they can have a lot of influence and do what they want. People who have a lot of money look like they have a certain tranquility and and they're enjoying life. And I can tell you they're not. People I talk to at least, I talk to many people, those who have a lot of money, those who don't, and I can tell you that they're not any happier. I, th- I, think, it, I think everyone knows it, but on the outside it definitely looks like they are because they have more and they could do more and you know they're more capable and, and, and there's a limitless amount of opportunity for them to pursue their desires even though they're not happy. Um, but people are impressed by that. And people respect that because everybody wants that. So when you say somebody is respecting somebody with money, it's not so much that he has respect for the person with the money as much as it's enticing and that's what somebody wants. People want a life of power and, and, and tranquility and, and ability. People want that. So when you want it and you see someone has it, you're impressed by it. That's all the way we are in this world, the way we're programmed to look for whatever it is that's going to make us happy in the moment. To look at somebody who has a big family and is bogged down by a family, kind of a bunch of children and a lot of responsibility and they can't go on vacation every day and they can't afford expensive things because they have a lot of kids and, and, and kids bring problems sometimes and challenges and they're busy dealing with them it's, it's definitely not what we're looking for in general in this world so instead of looking at the rich person versus the person with a lot of kids look at yourself what do I want? I want a, a life of enjoyment I want to have fun but I really know that being an Erlachid there's more to it than that and a lot of the things that I want to really do, and things that I know are important for me to do, are not that. And uh, yeah, it's my choice. That's the choice of life. So I think the choice of who to respect boils down to the choice of who you are and the different challenges that we all go through. Should I do something that's more enjoyable or something that Hashem will want for me? Should I take more serious um, this world and have fun? Or I should take more serious, more seriously the next world and, and be more, uh, do things the right way? Now, this is an ongoing struggle that we have every day, every night. This is what we deal with, making choices in life. And this choice is the internal struggle that we will always deal with. And if we remember that this world is only a preparation for the next world, automatically we make better choices in this world, even though they're less fun and less enjoy, enjoyable. And we believe that there's more to come. There's much more important things in life. So when we're looking at two people and... and so to speak, showing respect for the person who has more, it's only because that's really what, what pulls us and what interests us and what tempts us. But I think we all know that, um, you know that there's more to it than that. And it's up to us to decide you know, what we want to focus on or what we want to believe. Now, in general, talking about the fact that the opinion of people changes over time and the whole secular culture that, that, that brings us into the you know, pizza life, and again, I'm not, I'm not a big tzaddik myself, and I go through this myself every single day, every single hour, trying to make the right choices in life. I'm just saying the fact that we are so influenced by, by the secular world, and the fact that the general public definitely has a lot of uh, respect, let's call it, for materialism and for, for a happy, enjoyable life, uh, yeah, there's not much you can do about that. We, we, could, we could change opinions one at a time. We could, we could have a very small ripple effect, starting with ourselves. Every person who has a Torah de Gashkofa, Every person who's proud to be a Yid, every person who who expresses um, their pride and their happiness at being a Yid and being close to Hashem and being being um, committed to what Hashem wants, is an ambassador who's carrying with confidence, you know, Hashem's uh, flag. People who are who are now people who get apologetic about Yiddishkeit are are doing just the opposite. When somebody asks you um, where are you where are you for Pesach, for example, 
You say, well, I really wanted to go to a hotel, I really wanted that, I really wanted that, I can't. And sometimes you talk about things that you know maybe you're doing the right thing. Maybe, I'm just giving an example. Or maybe you're doing the right thing, but you talk about it in a way that you know, you're, you're embarrassed by the fact that you're doing the right thing. You're, you're giving a negative message. You're making the next person also embarrassed by that. And the, and the contrary, when somebody asks you, wow, so many children? Yeah, Baruch Hashem, I'm so blessed. And you just do it with a smile, you're having an effect. I remember, going maybe seven, eight years ago, when I first came up with certain chadishim in Chinech, understanding people, certain things that I felt would be helpful for the world. And I remember once I met a Udum Gudu, one of the Maniga Ador, let's call him, on the street. And I went over to him and I said with, with, like, with a certain excitement, I came with something fascinating. I think it's something that people will appreciate. How do I get my message out? I have something that I think the world could really appreciate. How do I get my message out? I was sure he was going to give me some kind of novel idea about how to get up on the on the beam about a Shas and, and share my ideas. You know, like where do I go from here? How do I get the most people to appreciate and be influenced and, 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 and benefit from my idea? And I'll never forget, on the spur of the moment, he tells me, that's not how it works. You'll tell it to one person and another person, and that person will say it over to one more person and slowly, and it takes time. And that's the ripple effect about how things spread. And I can tell you now, eight years later, he was right. He was right. There are thousands and thousands of people who have heard those ideas from me that I was thinking then, and it's only because I, I, I wish to help me give it over one at a time. Eventually, one becomes ten, and ten becomes a hundred, and now I'm talking to any time to a few thousand people a week. But the point is that it doesn't go, it doesn't just happen in one moment. So if you feel that you want to change the world and want to change the way people see things and change the things that people respect and have people appreciate and respect the hero who has a lot of children... You, know, you can do that one at a time. You can do that starting with yourself and then talking to your close friend and then giving a compliment to the next door neighbor who has a lot of children and things like that. But it's not, it's not going to happen all at once. But sometimes the reason why people want to change things all at once is either to make themselves feel better. I want to do what everybody respects. So I want to get everyone to respect it at the same time. That's one. And another thing is because people feel, which is silly, by the way, because you don't need everyone to respect what you're doing as long as you respect it and you're confident and you're strong and you feel good about yourself. But the other idea is that so often people want to make an impact. One of the theories um, in the world of psychology of man's biggest desire is to make an impact. Everyone wants to make an impact in the world. Now, it's questionable if that's really man's biggest desire or not. But very often people want to make an impact. They want to impact the world. They want to say something that's going to affect the whole world. They want to say something that will affect the whole Yiddish community. The whole city. The whole. It doesn't always work like that. And it's important to appreciate the impact you can have on one neshama. There's a story, I think, of Baba Chalebe, where somebody told them that they were giving a, a class in Taras Meshpucha, and they advertised and only one woman showed up. And he was so discouraged, you know, one woman showed up, I invested money and time and energy, and, you know, what did I accomplish? And Baba Chalebe's answer right away was, how many mothers did Moshe Rabbani have? It takes only one woman to have a Moshe Rabbani, and, and that impacts the whole world after that. But the point is, you don't have to impact everybody at once. And other... Uh, Mushal or story about the guy who was throwing seashells from the beach into the water. Somebody asked him, what are you doing? He said, well, these seashells, if they're sitting here, they're not going to develop. And if you throw them into the water, they could become something. They could, they could remain alive. And they'll say, yeah, but you think you're going to throw all the seashells? Well, who you, you're going to make a difference to all the seashells on the, on the beach? You know, there's, there's, there's millions here. You just threw in one. Who are you, who are you uh, making a difference to? He said, well, I just made a difference to that one, the one that I just threw in. And that's how we have to see things. We make a, we make a difference we do make a difference one at a time. It's not just that the one at a time becomes a million. The one at a time is also a big difference. And any neshuma that comes out of this world, the right way and the right time, 
and, and, and you know, the way Hashem wants it to be, is an amazing achievement, an amazing impact. It's an amazing impact for itself. I take pride in Chadam Gamaybish now, the schis, to have had um, um, a part in, in many, in many such, in many such um, impacts. Baruch Hashem. Very many people who have come to me with different issues, aside from Baruch Hashem, my own neshamas, my own home, which Baruch Hashem I also had a part in schis and being a shit of the Eibushte. To me, it's a a gavaldigus schis. Every time I have the schia to have another impact, because one more child was born. Because you know people did things the right way and people people appreciated it and, and invested in it and were committed to having another child. It's an amazing thing. And if the impact you'll have is only on your own children, kind of and especially on other people because your attitude is now influencing people to respect somebody who has children and to want to have children, to see that as a mission in life. That's a wonderful thing. So of course it's it's important to remember that even when something is not popular, um, you don't have to be so affected by that. I'm just saying that in general to know how to make something respected starts by yourself. But let's let's go away from having it be respected. Let's make believe you'll never get anyone to respect this at all. The world is just going to go the opposite trend and they're going to look at people who have children as being Yonchi and from to a point where you yourself, you won't even feel good about it. Let's say. It's important to remember that Shekhanurik starts all the way in the first thief. Aliyah v'shmapnei hamalig mulav. One of the most fundamental Yesoidas in, in Abu Hashem is, is not to be afraid to do something unpopular. It's important to remember that. Don't, don't be afraid to do something unpopular. Everyone could think you're crazy, everyone could think you're wrong, everyone could think you're doing something silly, and everyone could think you're, you're, you're you know, wasting your life or whatever they call it, but if that's what Hashem wants, that's what's important. The Tachlus, the Tachlus in general, um, wants there should be children in the world, we get married to have children, this, this is a Tachlus of its own. It's a tachas of its own. We have to remember, and like you mentioned the word prioritizing, you have to know where to start prioritizing. And this is this is somewhere where people get very stuck. Because very many people have these questions about, is it time for another child? Should I have another child? There's so much going on. It's true there is a lot going on. It, it's even, it might even be true that in your situation you can't have children now. It's not, you're dealing with too much. It's not, it's not a question. You can't, the question is, what goes for what? What gives for what? Somebody was repeating to me just the other week, that they were looking for a way to move and they were considering moving to a different um, city. He went to ask Kazar Shashiva Rebelsky if he should move or not. And Rebelsky asked, um, Are you happy with the chinuch that your children have over here where you are now? He said, Yeah. And does Hashem send you Panusa where you are now? He said, Yeah. He said, Well, that's priority. You, you look to live near where your children have a good chinuch and Hashem sends you a livelihood, not the other way around. Now, I'm not going into that discussion. Could we, could we could have a good chinuch everywhere? It was just interesting insight. Some people, they, they choose where they want to live, right? In the Goyesha culture, you choose where you want to live, and then you start looking for the nearest Walmart, and you're good to go, and you send your kids to public school. With us, we have priorities. Let's first look for the best chinuch for my children. Let's see where Hashem is, is Mazman, my panusa. And then I'll look for a house and see if I can make it work. Not, no, I like the house over there. Okay, where's the closest chayder? Okay, it's not bad. Not bad. You're first looking where to live, and then, and then the chinuch for your children. It's the same thing with, with, with this. You know, people that are People that see children as we have to squeeze it in, we have to we have to see if we can make it work, we have to see if we could afford to have another child, that that's that's starting the wrong way. You have to know what priority is. If you want to also have a job and also go on a lot of vacations and also live a life and also have a lot of time and also have a lot of whatever, and then decide if the, if having more children fits in, then of course you're gonna get stuck somewhere. But if that's where it starts, so this is what I wanna do. What do I have to put on the side to get there? Maybe not everyone could. 
but maybe you could. Maybe you could give up on a job and you could give up on different responsibilities, different commitments and different obligations that you thought were obligations because there's something more important coming. It's just something to think about. And this is something that, you know, it's everybody it's on their own. So like I said before, if you're looking for respect and you're looking for recognition, get yourself a better job, make more money and build a nice house. You might not be getting it from anyone ever. If you're looking to do what's right, and you're looking to be proud about it and feel good, and maybe even have an impact on how people will slowly see it and respect it, then there's definitely what to focus on. Not a question. And, you know, there's the, there's the Mishnah about a chuti evit chuti machoyr, and I don't know if the women will appreciate this or not, but the Mishnah says that if you have somebody who is a half uh, evit, he has, he has two, he, he, he belongs to a shitfus of two people, uh, evit. one of them um, set him free, what I got Shekhar, he's not an Avid anymore, the other one didn't, so he's half Avid, half not. So the look is that the other one also has to set him free. Why? Because he can't get married now. Who's he gonna marry? He can't marry a Shifchah because half of him is not an Avid. He can't marry a Baschoyrin, half of him is an Avid. So the mission you can't leave you can't leave a person in this state. He has to be able to get married and have children. You can't leave you can't leave a person in a state where he can get married. What do you mean? He's my Avid, I bought him. I know, but we can't he was created for a purpose to have children. You can't leave him in a state where he can't have children. That's the tachlas. Everything else, who he works for and who he belongs to and who he's going to be serving and who paid money for him, that, that's all secondary. It starts before that with what's the tachlas. And sometimes, you know, people don't always, uh, people, don't, people don't, always, don't always get it today. They don't see the tachlas the right way. I remember, I remember hearing this from uh, Akala. She went to a certain Rebetzin and a certain issue. I'm not going to go into what the issue was, but she went to a certain Rebetzin that she needed a certain brucha for something. And, and one of the bruchas that she was getting, one of the bruchas that this Rebetzin was known to be able to give a lot of good bruchas, was that Hashem, you'll, have, you'll have a child within the first year of your marriage. She didn't ask for that brucha, but that was one of the bruchas that she was being offered, so to speak. And she said, well, I don't know if I want to have a, a baby the first year. And this Rebetzin was a big tzadikus, was so taken aback. That, that's, not the way, that's not the way she grew up. You get married to have children. This is your life's mission. You, this, is where you want to, this is where you want to go. This is what you want to ha- happen as soon as possible. No, I, I have time. I don't want to. Now again, maybe, maybe a kala, a woman is not even machiv to have children. Maybe a, a, a man, a husband is. But the idea that, that people definitely see things uh, differently than, than they used to um, and starting off with a certain attitude, a certain approach of when I want, that's when I'll have kids and when it works for me and when I feel good about it and things like that, that's, that's um, definitely something that that is not a very theoretic approach. Now, let's talk a little practical. Practically speaking, of course, everything has to be done within reason. Everything has to be done reasonably. There are, people do things that are irresponsible. There's such a thing. It's, it's not as irresponsible as people would think. Let me just, let me just say this um, unpopular idea. When somebody drives a car into a wall, don't try this at home, right? It's called irresponsible. Nobody could say, well, if the Irish didn't want I should crash, I wouldn't have crashed. Right, Abishta gives Bechira to people and he lets them choose unwisely. And if you choose to drive into a tree, chances are you're going to hurt the tree and Chazoshun will hurt the driver as well. That's how the Abishta set up the world. You can't say, well, well the Abishta should have done it differently if he didn't want that to happen, right? Um, there are other things in life, however, that the Abishta lets a person do, but the person's not really in control as much. If a person buys, let's say, a lottery ticket, right? And he wins the lottery, for example. How many people win the lottery? Not too many. Or even if he wins just a, a raffle, whatever, it doesn't have to be one in a million, it could be one in a hundred. One. Less people will say, well, it was irresponsible of you to buy that, you know, because really the money's not good for you. 
I think more people will assume that, listen, if it's really not good for me, Hashem could have made a lot of other people win this lottery. Hashem could have made a lot of other people win this raffle. Now, I'm not saying that, that everyone should buy a lot of raffles. I'm not saying that, that it's always good for everyone to win another million dollars. Maybe it's not good for them. My point is just that there are things in life where a person does something where even if it's not clear that he's doing exactly the right thing, but a lot of the outcome is in Hashem's hands. And a lot of the outcome is for Hashem to decide what's good and not good for a person. When it comes to having children, you don't have children by putting a dollar into a soda machine and pressing a button and it's almost sure to come out. It doesn't work like that in real life. Very much about having children is when Hashem wants to happen and how Hashem wants to happen. Very much about your children is what Hashem wants to give you. There are people that have fewer children and they struggle because the children have issues and difficulties even when they're born or later in life. So much of it is unpredictable. You can't control or predict what's going to happen when you have children. And, and so many other people have a lot of children and Hashem sends them a lot of money to provide for their children and He gives them easier children and children with less issues and He gives the parents more um, for it. So when a person is, is, is contemplating should I have children? It's not so much as you think well, maybe it's the wrong thing for me to have children now. Part of it, as long as you're not being specifically irresponsible and sometimes the last story can help you decide if you are or aren't but if you're not being specifically irresponsible you could really rely on the fact that Hashem is running the show. And Hashem's going to help you do this in the right way. And you don't have to predict exactly what's going to happen and try to control everything that's happening because Hashem has a lot of other ways to make your life more pleasant or more miserable, which will never happen. So that's something to think about. Now, of course, and let me, I, can't, I can't finish without saying that, of course you want to speak to a doctor whenever you have a sophic. Any doubt you have, if it's responsible to have more children, if it's not responsible to have more children, if you should or you shouldn't, if it's time, if it's not, if you're physically capable, emotionally capable, mentally capable, psychologically capable you, your spouse your, your, your household your, your, your environment your circumstances situation that's what we have guidance for but for you to first understand what's important in life for you to respect your own your own um, um, your own feeling about Das Torah and to know what you want in life that, that's something you decide before you speak with a Das Torah before you speak to a roof. by the time you're coming to the roof with all your preconceived notions about what's really important in life and how stressed out you are and how unimportant this is for you and how you want to prioritize a lot of other things you might be influencing a lot of the guidance you're going to be getting and I've seen many people do that by the time you come to question by the time you come to get guidance but you're coming with all your own ideas and all your own attitudes a lot of that has to do with um, with the answer you're going to be getting so I think that's also something um, I think that's also something that, that, that people should just understand before getting before getting that started um, one more thing that I just want to finish off and, and, and that is that I don't see this as being very different than other things I said it before but I just want to I want to end off like that again when somebody's not feeling well for example right most young men for example they have let's say people that are working they have let's say a chavris that they learn with and they have a job that they go to and the same thing with other people uh, women they have, they have things they take care of at home things they take care of at work for example when somebody's feeling run down somebody has the flu somebody has fever one day it's interesting to see there are people that will call into work I, I can't come to work today I can't come to work I'm, I'm not feeling well okay that was a given my chavrisa wants to learn you know what let's learn on the phone it's hard for me to come to shield but I want to learn why not I'm not going to feel better or worse if I learn let, let, let's learn there are people the other way around I can't miss my job so many commitments so many things the boss the this the off days the vacation days the my chavrisa I can't learn my head's hurting I can't learn I can't learn and it's true he can't learn he can't focus he can't concentrate like he would on a normal day so the first thing he does picks up a phone. Chavrisa, not today. Sorry, work. I gotta go. He come to the office and he's switching away and he's putting whatever he could. 
That's what priorities are about. We all decide what we could and can't do. When a woman's not feeling well, there are the women that will not do the job, there are the women that won't do the job, but they will cook, and there are those that won't cook. We all decide what we're capable of doing, in most cases. Right? When COVID came around, people decided, do they want to go to Shield or do they want to go to the grocery? I'm not getting into the controversial debate if it was right or wrong. And people decide, where do they want to go? There were people that only went where they really had to do something. But don't. But people decide what they want to do. People decide where they want to go. When someone's not feeling well, they decide, oh, I want to go to a Simcha or not. I read a, simcha, I read a story recently about Shalom and Orbach. He came to somebody's Simcha, and he told about Simcha, no, I came, it was a Messias Nefesh. I didnn't go down in the morning because I, was feeling, I wasn't feeling well. And Shalom and Orbach felt that he was feeling enough not well, that he doesn't belong in Shil. But when it comes to Vedun Lachavairoi, the Miss of Simcha, the Baal Simcha, that's where I felt I should be machmer. And come to you simply even though I'm well. That's a chru of a good ladar to know how to see things. My point is just that when it comes to going to a simcha, right, you can have a person that has two simchas the same night, he's not feeling great. One he goes to, even though he's not feeling well, because there have to be, and this one I could say I wasn't feeling well. And he isn't feeling well. We all decide what we're capable of and not. And that's something we have to remember when it comes to prioritizing in life. What am I capable of? Am I capable of having a job? Am I capable of making gourmet meals? Am I capable of making money? Am I capable of vacation? Am I capable of having children, raising children, being a mother, being a wife, being a father, being a, being a husband, and things like that? So, of course, we only dust Torah. I don't want anyone to be offended by what I'm saying and start talking about all the situations where people are having kids irresponsibly and they couldn't tend to the children and my neighbor's stressed out or whatever. It's a mindset. What does Hashem want from me? Let me find out. And whatever He does want from me, that's what I want to do as hard as it will be. And I myself, when we do that, the Irish that helps us that the Malucha is dying the Hoyser. Hashem helps us with the amount of energy we need, the amount of koiches we need. Hashem helps us expand as time goes on. And before we know it, we realize that we're more capable than we thought, and we could handle a lot more than we thought. And I myself will have the koiches to live together. And to see from all our wonderful children.